Welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast from Wales Online. Hello, welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast by Wales Online. I'm Ben James. Today I'm joined by Andy Howell and Simon Thomas, and we've got a fair bit to discuss. There's quite a lot going on in Welsh rugby, isn't there, boys? Certainly is, and of course we are all meters at the top of the agenda, I believe, Ben. And I'm not talking about Simon Thomas. It was quite nice, actually, to finally to be able to pretty much draw a line in the sand when I found out yesterday that Gareth Hanscombe had decided, made his mind up about his future. The saga finally came to a conclusion. Um, he's decided to leave the Blues at the end of this season and, and join the Ospreys. I, I, you know, I got the impression over the last week it seemed to be moving more and more in that direction. People ask, why is he doing it? Well, you know, people will turn around, oh, he's going for more money. Now, if... <laughs> I don't know what his wage is going to be the Ospreys I don't know what the arrangement was obviously we know that he went through an appeal with the um, PRB WIU about his wage banding um, but the, the idea behind the uh, wage banding system the new, new kind of structure in place was it was to stop the internal market so in theory you know the wage that's designated to you by the PRB would be the wage that you go to whatever region you're at so if it's not coming down to money, then you start to look at other reasons, rugby reasons, and you can see a few of those. Um, I think at the Ospreys, he's going to be pretty much exclusively playing a number 10, whereas at the Blues, he was rotating between 10 and 15, with Jared Evans starting at 10 quite a bit, and him playing at fullback. And I think the other big factor is it'll, it'll mean him working once again with um, Jockey Sherratt, Matt Sherratt, who uh, he built a good, close working relationship with the Cardiff Blues, and I, I know Sherratt would be very keen to have him on board there. They're now going to be together, and let's see what they produce for the Ospreys next season. Good luck to him, and I suppose the big thing to say is at least he's staying in Wales, and it means he'll be able to play for Wales um, through the World Cup and beyond, um, not being uh, in a problem because of the 60 cap rule, so that's good news. It's, uh, he's gone for exactly the same money. They were both offered the same, or allegedly both offered the same money, so it's a very uh, good source. It's confirmed that, claims they were both offered exactly the same money because he's right at the top of his uh, banding. It is, I'd say it's rugby reasons. It's gone, Simon's explained some of them there. I looked at the stats last week before the match, and I think Anscombe's uh, before the weekend had played 15 times for the Blues this season, when Jared Evans had been available, Anscombe had only started at number, at number 10 three times. So that says it all. When Jared has largely been available, Anscombe have been playing fullback. He wants to play at number 10 regularly, which is only natural because he'll announce his uh, Wales uh, prospects. And uh, I guess as well, he could be not just thinking about the Matt Sherrod working there. When he looks at that Ospreys pack, Alan Wynne Jones, as I suspect, will be staying at the Ospreys, Nicky Smith. When he looks at that pack, he'll see he'll have a potentially a lot stronger pack in front of him and he's added uh, Cardiff Blues, which perhaps will give him more scope to uh, strut his um, stuff. Uh, I actually think it's a good move for Welsh rugby because it gives uh, a chance for uh, Jared Evans to uh, nail down a number 10 jersey at the Blues and continue uh, will enhance his uh, development. And, uh, you know, there could be a knock-on effect from the Osprey. Sam Davis seems soon to leave. He could end up at the uh, Dragons. That can only be win, win, win for Welsh rugby. Who do you think he would be more likely to finish higher up the league or challenge for silverware with next season? Cardiff Blues or the Ospreys? Ospreys. Unless the Blues recruit some forwards. Okay. Because the Blues' problems right. in their pack is not strong enough. We've seen that in the last couple of weeks. This week confirmed to us what we already knew. Yeah. They need some forward beef at lock and at number eight I mean the interesting thing now is that as we say Jared Evans is going to be the, you know, very much the number one fly half at the Blues next season 
Um, the question then um, is what they do in terms of backup in that position, because not only is Anscombe leaving, but also we know Steve Shingler um, is going to Ealing Trailfinders next season via Little Spell in France. Uh, so that does leave them on paper, um, you know, perhaps a little bit light to ten. But I know Andy's got his own idea of what they should do there in terms of backup. Thank you, Simon. They got great backup there in Matthew Morgan. You talked about Steve Shingler there. Steve Shingler couldn't get anywhere near Matthew Morgan at Wales under twenty level. Morgan guided Wales to third place in the World Cup and to becoming the first team to ever beat New Zealand at that level. So Morgan is actually a very good outside half. Personally, I think he's a better outside half and fullback anyway because as the great Barry John keeps telling us Morgan has got a stop and go capability he can stop and he can go and he can skin defenders set me strong in the hip so I've got no worries about him playing outside half the only issue he could have which Jared Evans might face or Dan Fish is a decent outside half as well you could have him in there third, you know, third choice push him for second choice the only issue the three of them are going to have is the Blues pack if the pack is not performing, it's hard for halfbacks. Tomorrow, good day. I suppose the other thing is with um, Hallam Amos and Josh Adams coming on board. Um, I think Amos is coming in very much as a fullback, and Josh Adams has played there for Worcester as well. Exactly. So, in, in that sense, you've got more more kind of cover for the Blaine Skelly and play fullback as well. So, Morgan, you, you'll probably be, be scoped to utilise him there. I mean, the only thing you'd say is that he's going to look. He's going to go at me again. You know, there is always with Matthew the one issue is the size issue, and it is. Fly halves can get very targeted physically in that position, uh, but you know he. I would say, in fairness to Matthew, I think he's come on leaps and bounds since he's been at the Blues in his all-round game. One thing of the um, Ospreys, I remember, not so much as Bristol because of the standard. Sometimes you would see him taking the ball into contact, making his own moves. People, the rest of his team, not quite in the same t- um, wavelength as, and losing the ball in contact. He doesn't do that so often now. The ball tends to be come back from him, and he makes he, as a counter attacker and a broken field runner. He's been excellent for Cardiff Blues. I think he's played a lot of rugby for them. It's just whether I, I, I must admit personally, I like him at fullback. You see, I like the open space he gets, then the ability to play with the ball in hand. Maybe a little bit less time at uh, fly half, but I think, see. I think he can be a game breakout outside half if your pack is going. Uh, it's going. Uh, it's a big F though. Well, isn't it, the car, you know, yeah. you, you say I'm accusing you now of being sizeist, <laughs> but so uh, uh, you know, what's your assessment? Damon McKenzie is no bigger than him. He's injured, isn't he? Yeah, we face the All Blacks and the Chiefs. The yeah. size doesn't matter. The All Blacks, if you're good enough, you play. Then again, as you say, it, a lot of it depends on the on the pack. And generally, an All Blacks player tends to be going forward with the pack in front of him. Well, that is a uh, resistance. <laughs> <laughs> but Andy's very right what he says about the pack situation. Yeah. Now, I've written a piece today about what the Blues do because. People might, the Blues fans, may be looking at this and saying, well, Gareth Anscombe, what's that, £300,000, £350,000? Well, somewhere else. He's gone, let's spend that money. On forwards. But, of course, it may not necessarily be as simple as that. My understanding is it was going to be a real struggle for the Blues to come up with £300,000 to retain Anscombe. There was also the question, which can be asked, would it be, would it be great value for money in a World Cup year? when Gareth is probably going to be away a large chunk of the season, he may, may not play much more than 10 games. So if you work that out, you're almost like £30,000 a game. So you can make that, you can have that argument. Is that the best way to spend it? But for me, the, the bigger issue is like, they, they, they do have financial constraints upon them next season. If you look at the, the funding, the graded funding from the PRB, they're going to get about a million pounds less than the Scarlets, about £300,000 less than the Ospreys, with, with, the, with the funding based on criteria on and off the field. They're working next season on a budget of just shy of £6 million. 
They've already spent a fair chunk of that, allocated a fair chunk of that. We talked about Amos, Adams, and if you look at the players they've retained, Navidi, Owen Lane, Thomas Williams, Jared Evans, Hala Hollow, you know, good players, but a large chunk of it's gone. So I'm not sure how much more is left to spend on what we all agree they need, which I would say is a hooker, a second row, and an number eight, and all beefy boys, please. Yeah, that's what they yeah. need, yeah. Yeah, they could generate more income themselves, mind. How? Well, it's getting more revenue, sponsorship, sales. Sponsorship's a big thing. They could generate more sponsorship revenue. Of course, ticket sales and sponsorship are all yeah, the hard to acquire when, 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 you, when your team doesn't look like it's going to be competing that highly, though. Yeah, well, two weeks ago, we won't be saying that because they look to be on course to be Wales's top region. They could still end up Wales's top region. Yeah, it's easy, a lot easier to generate money from uh, uh, from being successful mm. and winning, but there's uh, there's nothing stopping them going out and trying to get more money in and expecting a WRU or the competitions they need to provide it all. I think then their issue would probably be more that um, they're not on level funding with probably the three other, no that's why the they need other. to get more in themselves it's like it's like the dragons isn't it they've got this big plan uh, the dragons to redevelop the fund <coughs> to generate the income to pay for the team mm. and then they'd have a potential then they'd have a massive budget if, if that all comes off and it is such a uh, uh, money earners they mm. think it will be I think I mean, if you look it's at like, it's like the blues isn't it they wanted to redevelop the ground Richard Holland they had a fantastic plan to develop the ground look magnificent you know the you problem know. there though yeah I know you know it, in theory, if that worked out, that would have provided the revenue to make the Blues potentially one of the richest clubs around. I mean, if we look at what they are likely to do, my understanding yeah. is um, Dimitri Arhip, who's been there for a year, I think there was an option on an extension. I think that will be activated. It'll kick in now. He'll stay there. They need to keep it. Yeah, you know, I mean, he's had injury issues this year, but if you can get him fit, he's a very, very solid tight end. And along with Dylan Lewis, you've got two good titles there, Azarati and, and um, Bubba Scott Andrews as well. You've got decent cover there. Lou said they've got a little bit of an issue because Reese Carey is going, which, you know, Andy and I were saying, we watched the way he came on against Connacht last week. He made a big impact with the carry, and he's going to be a loss. I think Reese Gill is out of contract. You would imagine that they would probably look to retain him. But in terms of people coming in, Rory Thornton has been on loan from the, the Ospreys. They've been, they've been quite pleased the way he's come on this season with his line-up work and his contributions. I think they'd look to have him on a permanent deal. And of course, the other one that is interesting to see is Will Boyd. You know, we've yeah. talked a lot about him being released by the Scarlets. A lot of Scarlets fans, you know, are unhappy with that. They would have liked to have seen him there. And he's been, a, he always delivers, gives everything, can play six, seven, eight, good over the ball, strong in defence. Wouldn't surprise me if the, the Blues are looking at him as a possibility. Perhaps a big issue there is Nick Williams. He's out of contract, 36 in December. Body's taken a battery in his hand of the years. But, but when, when Nick Williams plays well, the Blues plays well. Ideally, you would you'd want a fit five in Nick and to retain him. Yeah, so, and another number eight willing to compete with him. So, but they don't grow on yeah. trees. But it's, yeah. it's difficult. I mean, um, will buy be a good signing? Uh, you know, is, would he? He's done a great job when he's played for the Scarlets. Would he be really? He's a Navidi type player. Well, I would say see his best position. He any, he's like a Navidi. He can play anywhere. I think the best. He's not quite best big. at six or seven or perhaps. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm surprised. Mind, I will say this. Yeah, I'm surprised that the Scarlets and new coach Brad Moore has decided to dispense with the services of uh, Will Boyd because I tell you what, it's not exactly a way to enamour yourself with Scarlet's fans, is it? Yeah, well, he's digging a bit of a hole for himself because if he comes in, he, he comes in and the Scarlet's don't play for the first month, if it don't do well first month of the season, straight away they'll be on his case. You know what they like down there, Ben? What's his thinking there, then, don't you think? Uh, he wants to keep Tom Phillips, who's bigger. It's a size issue again. Go back to the sizest thing. Uh, Tom Phillips of course he was Wales under 20 captain when he won a yeah. Grand Slam 2016 
Um, and it has had loads of injuries since. But my understanding is that they, he prefers Tom Phillips. He's got him kept him here because he's a basically he's a bigger bloke. Yeah. One final punch in the blues. I mean, this is kind of the first year in which you have Mulverhill potentially having an opportunity to bring in people mm. that he wants. Now he was a, he'd have a good knowledge of you know Aussies. of Australian rugby. Um, I'm sure if there were the funds available, he'd be able to come up with the ideas of a, of a couple of players who could come in. I think they have got a couple of overseas slots left in the in the boat. But is there the resource? That's you, the you know, there's to, is talking of the uh, Wallabies, Locks, Adam Coleman, Rory Arnold, jumping ship after the World Cup being available. Based on what Simon said, you wouldn't have thought Blues would be able to afford him though. That's the only issue. There's got to be. You would have thought there's got to be some big South Africans out there somewhere. I mean, it works two ways, isn't it? Because the, of your limited resource, it means when you're in that situation, you have to focus on homegrown talent. And one thing you would say is over the last two or three years, you've seen a lot of academy products coming through, like your Thomas Williams, your Dylan Lewis, your Seb Davis, Owen Lane. So they are producing people. Well, the Blues is a great region, isn't it, for breeding players? Look, you've got the, uh, Ronda, the, valleys, the kids yeah. on the Ronda, the kids from Pony Breed, kids from Cardiff schools. You know, they have got an abundance of talent in their region. Obviously, it will take time for some to come through. Yeah, exactly. but you're seeing you're seeing dividends now, aren't you, with the players? What well, do you made. see, like Shane Lewis, Hughes, and Jim Bolton? Yeah. People, there's yeah. talent coming through. But you, what was the Steve, Alan Hansen? You can't all do it. You can't win anything with kids. Not with just kids. You need the, the experienced players as well, yeah. don't you? Shane Lewis, Hughes. You know, he's been playing back row very well for the Blues. Don't forget, he was a lock in that under sixty uh, in that uh, twenty sixteen. Big enough for a lock uh, in the Grand Slam winning team. We should have gone on and beat New Zealand in a World Cup. Yeah. I mean, away. the thing is, I think not just the Blues. Why isn't he big enough? Well, just yeah, having stood sense. next to him, I, it, exactly. it didn't come across to me as a second row size. Well, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll have another height. Yeah, I'll, I'll have, have another look. You're a big man yourself, <laughs> mate. Um, the, I think not just the Blues, but across the regions. I think what we do have to accept is that next year is essentially going to be. Not a written off season, but it's an unusual season with the yeah, World Cup. You yeah. look back to the la- no, let me finish now. If you look back to the last World Cup, which team won the Pro 12 that season? Connacht. Unusual World Cup because they were so much the period they're the first string team. Now it's going to be slightly different next season because the Pro 14 is going to start a bit later, so you wouldn't have quite the same impact of the World Cup. But it will be interesting next year because essentially the budgets are flatlining, staying as they are. So what it means is that you know coaches when they look at their scores, they've got to be really you know, judicious and prudent in every signing they make. Uh, you can't have the, the luxury that the Scarlets might have had, ideally, of saying, right, we keep all the boys as well. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. You have to cut your cloth to your financial means. And next season is going to be basically the same amount of money. We know the union's going to lose about five, six million pounds next year, and, and it's been a struggle just to retain the existing funding. I think it, for a lot of teams, it'll be a case of getting through this next year and then seeing about their squad and ideally there'd be a bit more money in the PRB pot and you know there's a lot of players in a year's time who are going to come out of contract mm. around you know Welsh qualified players I'm not quite sure Thomas Young is in the next year isn't he I think, he is, o- I think. Owen Williams is in the next year you know, these, are, these are kind of boys who would be real assets to the regions but it was interesting I was talking to Paul Turner this week for a feature and he was talking about the work he does scouting for Wales and Welsh qualified players in England and he says the problems he's had is he's identified some players come back to Wales and because of the project reset and, the, and their constraints and the finances it's very difficult for the regions to find homes for these players so we just have to get through this period and hope that over the next year to 18 months we can try and increase the revenue stream somehow let's don't talk it down too much so no one's going to be buying season tickets sorry Andrew. No, let's talk it up a bit uh, there's another there's another <laughs> A, you're right about the union losing money, but of course, the union, since Gartner's been in charge, have never had it so good, really, because they've been uh, uh, 
making such a lot of money because the Wales team being successful. If after Gatlin goes, the Wales team suddenly doesn't have the same successes, there could be a knock-on effect. Who's talking it down now? No, I'm just saying. <laughs> it could be a knock-on effect. You know, it could be a knock-on effect, you know, how much money's coming in, revenue's coming in anyway. So that is the sort of unknown. I think we need to move on. So one, one final point on, one uh, on Anscombe uh, is that the news of his move to the Ospreys has come before Judgment Day. And of course... The Ospreys and Cardiff Blues face each other on Judgment Day in what could be a crucial match for the, for the fate of the two, two regions. Do you play him? Well, it's interesting. I was thinking back this morning, there's been other cases, not quite like this, but similar. Nicky Robinson was a Cardiff Blues. Um, it was announced sort of in March time that he was going to Gloucester. And now, almost inevitably, the Anglo-Welsh final that year, Cardiff Blues against Gloucester, and he had a great game. No problem. Lee Jarvis, that was another one that was sprung to mind. He left Pontypridd to join Neath, and he had a bit of a tricky time in his last few weeks at Ponty. Even though the Ponty fans weren't entirely enamoured with him, and especially um, I remember one game. I think it was against Bridgen. There was a few boos for him, so it can become problematic. They played against Neath in that year as well, so it's difficult. This one is a very particular situation. Because it doesn't just impact upon a one-off game this season; it impacts upon so next season. This is different in, in, t- in terms that it will decide which one of them retains an opportunity to be in the Champions Cup next season. Now, there's two ways of looking at this. If you don't play Gareth Anscombe, it's difficult because you're, you know you can let people get the impression then that are you questioning his professionalism, his ability to do a job for you, even though he's moving away. And if you do play him, then it obviously puts a huge amount of pressure on him. Every, every act that he takes, people are going to be scrutinising. Every kick that he takes can going to be scrutinising them. It's a difficult one. My own assessment of what I think will probably happen is I think they'll start with Jared Evans in 10 and Anscombe at full-back. What they do with the goal-kicking, I'm not sure. But it's, it's a very, very difficult situation. Well, it's lose-lose-lose for Anscombe. He can't win, can he? Unless, it blues, unless he plays and blues win the match. If they, <laughs> if, he, uh, if they lose the match, <laughs> he's on hiding or nothing, isn't he? He can't win, he's going to cop it forever. So what would you do if you were John Mulvihill? Uh, personally, I wouldn't pick him. At all? No. I wouldn't. Yeah. Mm. Not because I could, I would never question his professionalism. Nothing like that. I just, I just don't think it'd be fair to put the bloke in that situation. That's very interesting, isn't it? You yeah. know, I don't think it's fair for you know, because um, uh, to put him in that situation and then he could be the right, one. Right, here's the question. Him. What do you think he would want to do? I think he'd say he'd want to play. But, you know... Mm. Subconsciously, what you know, he plays to the blues, blues lose. Ospreys, um, sorry, um, he plays to the uh, blues, blues win. That means he's going to the Ospreys for next season, and the Ospreys in the second tier challenge cup. You know, he'd be preferred to be playing in the Champions Cup, surely. That is a pinnacle of the club game. So it's a difficult one. Perhaps he'll get an injury before the game. You know, training, you never know. On that bombshell. No. There we go. No. <laughs> uh, so let's move on, uh, move, move on swiftly from that one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, from one man who's uh, staying in Wales to another man who looks like he's set to stay in Wales, uh, Sean Edwards. What a turnaround this has been. Um, from Wigan Warriors head coach with a handshake to staying with the Wales setup, part of Pivac's uh, coaching setup. Be working alongside Byron Hayward. Um, it's 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 a move that everyone's been clamouring for in the public, but how exactly is this one going to work out? Do you think it's going to? How it's going to work out is there'll be uh, uh, Pivac will be utilising the strengths of both both, which is by when Award is excellent at looking at the opposition, looking at their moves, um, dissecting them, and putting a plan into place to counteract the moves of the opposition. 
Sean doesn't do much of that. Sean is Mr. Motivator, working on a pitch with the players, firing the players up, etc., etc. So he will concentrate on his strength, which is that. And uh, so you've got Byron putting a plan together to um, defuse the opposition and Sean being implementing it. So um, uh, that's the plan. Uh, Wales, of course, they have, um, you know, they've got Neil Jenkins has been doing a bit on the attack, or has been under Gatland anyway. And he's going to be doing more work on the attack with Stephen Jones. So in theory, Wales are going to have two attack coaches and two defence uh, coaches. It's quite you know, there's this thing in New Zealand at the moment: the more coaches, the better. Um, and so I think you know, Pivot has been pushing. Uh, well, as soon as he knew Ed was become available uh, to have this, uh, have about the you know, to have him as a second coach, he'd been thinking of it anyway. And uh, and and this has given him that uh, op- uh, opportunity, perhaps if you. Uh, if you like, originally, you know, that Pivot um, uh, was told by Edwards that Edwards was going to Wigan and Edwards and Pivot thought that was the end of it. But then he was as surprised as we were and the public as suddenly Edwards becomes available. But now they were, you know, he, you know, he's acted quickly trying to keep him on board. I think it's great news. One question for you, though. What if Byron Hayward and Sean Edwards disagree on the way uh, to run a defence for a particular game? Uh, well, uh, Sean is a, <laughs> Sean's an handful, and Byron's an ex ABA boxing <laughs> champion. So maybe, uh, maybe they can have a charity, what do they call them? Those blue collar belts or white collar or something? Yeah, uh, what will happen? I don't know. Pivot would have to decide. Yeah. Are, are they going to disagree though? Because it, um, if Sean doesn't look at the opposition that much and what the opposition up to, well, what can he really disagree about? It's still going to be the well, What happens effect. now though? Wales don't analyse the opposition very much. Don't do any analysis of the opposition. I find that surprising. I must admit. Uh, Well, you could argue that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, uh, they concentrate on just on their blitz, line speed, and um, and you know, off the cuff. But do you think though that you will still see essentially aggressive defense, an aggressive line speed based defense? Yeah, yeah. But perhaps we're more. Is that that Pivak's style of defense? Yeah. Yeah, well, okay. more knowledge of what the opposition are going to do, mm. because I think there is a, a school of thought. Despite Wales having a fantastic defence in the Six Nations, it took them fourteen matches to beat Australia. Uh, to beat Australia for the, uh, for the end of fourteen match uh, losing run against Australia, and uh, Wales. Okay, they've done well against South Africa the last few years, but Wales's record against the big boys, the Southern Hemisphere, has not been fantastic, and we've leaked quite a lot of tries against them. Yeah. So there is room for improvement. And will um, either Sean Edwards or Barry Howard work with any of the regions next season? Uh, you're going to find next season the whole Wales management will be doing a lot more work with the regions. Right. Whereas Gatland is based for a lot of the year in New Zealand and really comes in to coach Wales during certain periods. These guys are going to be hands on all the time and they're going to be putting a lot more in the regions. That's interesting. Which is good, I think. Yeah, yeah it is. Mm. Do you see this Byron Hayward, Sean Edwards? Defence working with a Stephen Jones attack? Um, well, you would hope so, wouldn't you? Because, in th- it, 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 you know, you wrote about yourself about the quick transition, getting off the ground, the scale of strength has been getting off the ground quickly and uh, and then outnumbering the opposition. Uh, first of all, outnumbering the opposition attack with defensive numbers, then winning the ball, getting off the feet quickly, getting on their feet quickly, and then outnumbering the opposition with the ball so in, in theory it could well work yeah it could, well, be, it could be really exciting I mean Reese Priestland when Bath won at the Scarlets was that last season yep, last and then season, the Scarlets yeah. went over there and played brilliantly and won Priestland hit it on the head he said exi- he, you know exactly what the Scarlets do 
it's all about speed getting back to their feet numbers and and you know being fitter and quicker in the opposition of course that hasn't happened this season because a they've had some new personnel and b they've had so many injuries so they struggle to put a team together. Well, I think when the Scarlets have played at their best under Pivot and Stephen Jones, their defence has been about winning the ball. Yeah. It's it's getting the tackle in and then getting yeah. either Tagburn or, or James Davis or Dan Davis recently mm. or Will Boyd or McLeod yeah. hosted them over the ball and then from that broken situation mm. looking to play, especially down the narrow channels. So I think that, that would influence the team selection. I mean, you would look at him. There's a lot of talk about the Jacqueline being in... You know, thrashed out of the game in the future but while it's here it's a great strength of Welsh rugby Cardiff Blue is the most um, effective team over the ball in the, in the Pro 14 um, we've got a, an array of open sides who are good over the ball so that would be and he's got a centre like Jonathan Davis is yeah, really good over the ball yeah. Walking, look how often he strips George, the ball George the that's probably part of his game yeah, so I think that'll be a big focus I mean this year actually our back row the Six Nations this year our back row didn't win in that many turnovers of the ball I think they're probably under Pivak there will be a move to a lot more contesting in those situations, picking the moment, and then you see the people, the likes of Justin Tipperick, Ellis Jenkins, Huckley Blackfit, Navidi, all these people. Um, Dylan Lewis that, you know, um, is very good at it. Um, I thought he was excellent at it as well. Um, is Nicky Smith at the Ospreys? He's brilliant over the ball. We've got a lot of players in Wales who can do that, and that would be I think, I, a big strength of us. I think Wales as well be a lot more positive with the ball. They've <coughs> got the ball. With you know the way that Pivot and Stephen like to play, they both like attacking rugby. So I think you will see more attacking from deep. Uh, well, possibly if it's on. Uh, obviously, you've got to play percentages at times. Test rugby and cancel each other out. But I think they will be looking to uh, uh, play a lot more vibrant uh, style of rugby rather than being tend to win, uh, kick the ball away, and uh, and and you know capitalise then on opposition mistakes. I think they will be a lot more creative with this uh, regime. Whether or not they'll be as successful. Only time will tell. Only time will tell. Still, we've got a fair bit of rugby under Warren Gatland to worry about before we can start thinking about Wayne Pivak. Um, so, yeah, let's, let's move on. Um, obviously, Judgment Day is coming up, uh, and that's going to be a pretty crucial one in terms of European qualification. We could have no <coughs> regions qualify for Europe. We could have two regions qualify for Europe. I'm not going through all that again. <laughs> we could, we could. It's interesting because. Um, we talked about the doomsday scenario, haven't we? Over the first time ever, no Welsh team is going to be in the Champions Cup. I don't think that will transpire now. If you look at the most likely scenario, what's going to happen? We know what's going to happen in Conference A on Judgment Day. Blues play the Ospreys, and whoever wins that finishes fourth. Can I ask you just one question? Yes, you just can. because I think this is important. If the whoever wins out the Ospreys Blues, will they have home advantage? Yes. Whoever they are playing, yes. In out, so if they play in Edinburgh, for example, or Benetton, it'd be in Wales. Um, you, it's if you look at the points situation, um, it's almost certain that whoever wins over the Ospreys and Blues will have home advantage in the playoff. Certainly, be the case if they play the Scarlets, uh, because if you look at the Scarlets, they I think can get to fifty-five points. Whoever wins over the Ospreys and Blues is going to have more than fifty-five points. Yes, yeah, so it looks like it. So we, we know that whoever wins that, you know, Titanic tussle on Judgment Day is going to be fourth, and they'll be at home in the playoff with a spot in the Champions Cup up for grabs. Who will they play against? Personally, I think they'll end up against the Scarlets. If you look at the way it's working out, Scarlets have got the Dragons on Judgment Day. You expect them to win, you know, probably with a bonus point in that situation. And then the only way they could be denied finishing fourth would be if Edinburgh were to match their result against Glasgow and they're away to Glasgow. There is also the criteria, of course, there is a possibility the Scarlets could finish third and go in the playoffs, but they would need Bennett on. Um, to lose to Zebra which I think is unlikely so I think Scarlets will finish fourth what would be the situation yes if Edinburgh 
lose to Glasgow but pick up two bonus points for scoring four tries and losing by less than seven points a Scottish winning would, would yeah, be yeah, that because they're only one point behind Edinburgh you see so whatever the Scarlets do against the Dragons Edinburgh need to match, match because the Scarlets points difference is superior it's 23 superior so if they finish level on um, matches one and, and, and points then it comes to points difference Scarlets are superior so Edinburgh have to match with the Scarlets so Edinburgh need a bonus point victory over Glasgow away and Glasgow by the way be top to Glasgow they were getting for top spot ahead of Munster that goes straight to home semi-final yeah. so it's it's a big old tough mind, mind, Cockrell side mind you if Glasgow lose that game they would still have a home quarter-final oh, yeah but are. I think yeah. ideally you'd want to go through straight to the semis wouldn't you that'd be a good game I think, but it's Glasgow well, the interesting thing of course is that game is after the final game well, of they know exactly Day. what they've got so, to do surely all these games should be synchronised kickoffs. well that's the problem with having Judgment Day on the final weekend of the season isn't it because you can't have two games on the same pitch and yeah I know that I know that so yeah well it's an argument it's an argument that Judgment Day should be a bit earlier in the season anyway but we can't complain then about lack of synchronised kickoffs because what you just said because they used to be synchronised kickoffs for the final match of the year I think what they should realistically I think they need to look at it so that Judgment Day is the penultimate weekend of the season because then there's more chance of something being on it and also it means the final weekend you're going to have all your games at the same time one thing I do hope that Benetton get through Make get into the Champions Cup because I think that's good for Italian, brilliant for Italian rugby and I think they've been team of the season I think they've, they're coach of the season the world should go to Kieran Crowley he's been absolutely outstanding what he's achieved there and it is good isn't that ironic you know we, you know, they had automatic qualification they never delivered now that they had to you know, get there by rights Benetton have turned things around just needs Zebra to follow suit he's um, made some good signings as well yeah. from Super Rugby so um, and of course as when we say that it'll be Ospreys or Blues Potentially at home to the Scarlets. Um, let's start with the first game. Who's going to win of Ospreys Blues? Yeah. I must admit, having watched the Blues over the last two weekends, they look a bit battered. The pack is creaking. Um, Ospreys aren't giving much away in defence. Starting to click in attack. Powerful. Uh, I have to think. I think the Ospreys will win that. And then it'd be Ospreys against the Scarlets. I think as the playoff for a Champions Cup spot. That one would be really hard to call. I thought the Scarlets were good last weekend, but then they're going against playing against Zebra, so I don't know. I can go with the Ospreys because I think it, to win I, both I, games. Yeah, yeah. Right. I'm assuming a couple of a few facts. You know, from what we'd like to believe, Alan Wynn Jones, George North could be both back uh, for for the playoff, which would give them another fill. So May the 18th, will they be back there then? Well, that's what they were saying initially well, that they could be back for the uh, playoff okay. or for Judgment Day. They actually yeah, said so back for Judgment. Sorry, for Judgment Day. Yeah, Judgment Day, I mean, they're back for Judgment Day. So, yeah, so uh, I think with Alan Wynn uh, playing, a full strength pack up, while you've just the Blues now, they've had more injury problems. Nick Williams, Josh Nomedi, and all. I think the Ospreys could do a number on the Blues, uh, uh, Blues pack. There's also the field good factor of Mr Anscombe signing for the um, Ospreys even though he'll be on the blue side I think that will give the Ospreys a big fillip about next season and will harden their determination resolve to be in the Champions Cup all of a sudden the Ospreys are gone from a situation a matter of weeks ago their future's in jeopardy from a merger to being the go-ahead region in Wales well, they could, very could well, make it up they could very well be the Welsh region finishes the season with most points yeah Gosh. And potentially, yeah, but this is Welsh rugby field. Potentially next season, they if they could get their this season actually when they've got their uh, near their best side on a pitch, they've done well in most of those matches. But does it so, sh- does it show yeah. you as well that the Ospreys are? 
perhaps suffer more than the other sides during the international period because since these players have come back they've looked a different animal haven't they yeah for sure for sure yeah yeah. and I would have thought Anscombe is going to be looking relishing the prospect of next season playing with Alan Wynn playing with Justin Tipridge playing with Scott Williams yeah. playing with George North yeah. Dan Evans as well is a good player good communicator a way which Anscombe likes there is, of course, the one other scenario, oh, I will just touch on it, where we can get two teams in the Champions Cup next season. It's very complicated. There's a whole series of permutations involved. Essentially, the 20th, uh, the 20th side in the, in the Champions Cup is either the Champions Cup winner, the Challenge Cup winner, or then further down the Challenge Cup. So if a particular series of events happened with one of the Irish teams winning the Champions Cup, and none of the Challenge Cup semi-finalists um, needing to qualify through you, uh, through the Challenge Cup, but having done so already through their league, the Pro 14 would get an extra spot in the Champions Cup. And then if you had two Welsh teams in the playoff, presumably both of those would go through. So, but you've got about six teams you've got to be supporting before that happens. But so, but watch that one. Keep that space under wraps. Uh, yeah, I didn't take all that in. Can go through it again? <laughs> <laughs> I've written a piece about it. Just uh, read that. Yeah, I'm not ready for that. Yet. <laughs> um, uh, question for you: yeah. If Cardiff Blues beat the Ospreys mm. to get a home playoff and see us against the Scarlets, where should they stage that match? Oh, the Ams Park, yeah, definitely. I thought you said earlier they had money problems and they could do with more revenue so there's a chance to uh, generate a lot more revenue by playing Cardiff City Stadium or the Principality Stadium the way, the way they would generate even more income would be Cup. through the Champions Cup but the tenancies and sponsorship and corporate hospitality and the better chance they'd have of winning would be playing the Arms Park and that may well be a factor where they don't beat the Ospreys mm. so they win the Champions Cup this season and where's all that extra revenue they raise um, well I think the, the point about it is if you look at the facts um, their main benefactor Peter Thomas has moved aside as the chairman uh, there are was the, that a mistake to move him aside? It wasn't my decision. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so no co- comment. <laughs> co-founder Martin Ryan didn't uh, secure the chairmanship. So looking forward, you, you would question whether there's going to be the same degree of benefit or backing. Uh, bottom line is that uh, in Welsh rugby, you know, it's very easy to lose money, isn't it? Yeah, well, there's in any uh, rugby because if you look at the accounts in uh, England. in England, they've lost yeah. 50, fifty million in one season. It's, it's very only one club making a profit, Ru- Exeter, and the RFU is Pro- near broke. As one of my contacts told me, the ink very quickly it turns a red in professional rugby, and it's not easy. That's right. That's right. Hey, but the one thing is, so if there is a playoff between the Blues and the Ospreys against the Scarlets, it'd be fantastic Welsh rugby, fantastic. Yeah, weekend of May the eighteenth, yeah. that'd be. So um, of course the impact of that. Be the Wales management will be looking with great interest because I guess uh, the longer that the season goes on for the Wales players, the uh, the, the break they have yeah. to have afterwards. So, it's, 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 well, you would have thought <laughs> the Wales management ideally would like a, a Welsh team to be in a final of the Champions Cup or the Challenge Cup as they were last year, wouldn't they? Even stretching on further, they can have a long break, they can have most of June off before they reassemble for the World Cup, perhaps in uh, July, I think. So they're going to be re- their batteries are going to be recharged. Yeah, I mean, I I think it is vitally important we get at least one team in the Champions Cup. So yeah. fingers crossed, it all looks like that will happen. Mm, he's so. confident, very confident. Well done. <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm as confident as you. Um, so yeah, we'll move on uh, to the team that isn't going to be on in the Champions Cup next year. That probably seems like quite a harsh. <coughs> Segway, but uh, the Dragons, they're set to name their new head coach before Judgment Day. I think you described it as D-Day is coming. Who's it going to be, And Well, the, the talk is that Graham Roundtree's a favourite. Um, never done a number one job? Never before. done number one job. As far as I know, he's generally been scrum coach with England and with the Lions. 
of course, he is a, a disciple, of, if you like, of Warren Gatland. Worked with him on those Lions tours. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I would say is that uh, Gatland was involved uh, in... Uh, in uh, Bernard Jackman was a disciple of uh, Gatland as well, and that didn't work that well with the Dragons. So there is... Um, you know, so this is it would be a uh, uh, a gamble if you like, as Roundtree has said. Coach, uh, personally, I wouldn't go for him. But I mean, uh, the, the one that I, I would have quite liked to see Rob McBride get the job. I mean, McBride has you know been hugely he, experienced now, but mm-hmm. in terms of doing the forwards coach of Wales, he's been part of their setup for a long, long time, even before Gatland. You know, and has done the Wales tour job twice. But we hear that he's looking likely to go to Leinster, um, which I think would be a loss to Welsh rugby. I'd like to have seen him get that job. Yeah, I think he could be involved though for the in with this in with the chance perhaps of the Dragons' job. Do you think so? Still, yeah, I think, I think so, him, yeah. heavily linked with Leinster, yeah, though, isn't yeah, he? Heavily linked. Him and him and Howley. Well, I would um, expect Howley to go wherever Gatlin goes. Myself, but not McBride. And Rob is more of a own bird, I think. He's Welsh. Well, well I say, say you do keep him. hearing this Leinster links. Yeah, uh, which shows. Highly rated, yeah. yeah, yeah. And in fairness, I think you were there actually. He did a top. He did a really good job on that when he played Tonga and Samoa. Yeah, you know, good. that was two really good results. Very good. I like Robin. He's a good bloke, top bloke. Um, yeah, I much prefer Robin McBride to be appointed Dragons coach than Graham Roundtree. I'll be honest. Why should we be uh, uh, bringing English coaches along if we could, when we got someone who I think is a better coach than Roundtree anyway? Yeah, the bloke of course for the job. The ch- chap should have the job. Oh, it's Mike Ruddock it's a no-brainer. Gwent man, great success with Wales, with the Dragons, season in charge, they finished best ever, third in the table, and he's an expert man manager, and he's already got a list of uh, players he thinks he could bring in and improve the squad. Is like if they, you know, if they, if they went in, and he'd be a great as an overseer uh, with uh, the right people working under him, which could include Kerry Jones, who's the incumbent at the minute. Do you think anyone could turn around the Dragons' fortune so that they? Yeah, finish Gat- higher than yeah Gatlin could what? Gatlin would definitely well, Gatlin because straight away he would bring a couple of players in and all and the mentality change the mentality of the place and it would get them going but Gat- Gat- you know Gatlin's a master let's face facts of that and Ruddock and Ruddock is an expert man manager on his psychological do so you think they were underperforming or just underfunded underperforming yes you know I, I watched that game against Cheetahs last weekend and <laughs> They were leading with 70 minutes ago and then they shipped a load of points. Okay, they can argue about um, the altitude and what have you. But it seemed to me, you know, they haven't went away in the league for four years, is it? Just over four years. It seems to me the mentality there is they don't even ex- they don't expect to win when they play away. And, uh, and you could see it on the pitch, I thought, you know. Uh, they had a record number of players in the, in the Wales team this season when they played Tonga look how many players they had in the Six Nations squad so here's the question how much longer does the Welsh Rugby Union persevere with the Dragons experiment of the takeover of them being in charge well it's an argument to wrap it up now the only snag is if you wrap them up and started to upgrade the North Wales region you would end up having a lot of those Dragons boys playing in North Wales so you're just moving the problem elsewhere is there any point no, of what they need it, 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 right in the ma- my imaginary world, which you know is quite large, <laughs> if they could have someone like Dan Bigger playing for him, mm. or the bloke you were doing a lovely piece on, Paul Turner, that type of player, natural leaders and all, who others look to and all, straight away they'd be winning most of their own games. They would just tu- they would turn them they, that good at that sort of thing, and that's why the Dragons need someone like that to grab it by the scruff of his neck and I, turn it round. I just wonder if there's any point. If you've got a, a, a failing 4.5 million team in Newport, is there any point in just transferring a failing 4.5 million team to Colman Bay? Well, that's what I just said. Is there any point in moving a problem elsewhere? 
I don't know. What, what would you do? Would you amalgamate them and the Blues into an East Wales team? That's very, very difficult. I think the, few, the, the only kind of way I can see them moving forward is through the ground re- redevelopment, try and possibly bring in some greater funds. Um, obviously, David Buttress is, is charged with trying to bring in private investment. There's talk about them going as becoming a private concern again. I just think that ground redevelopment is absolutely crucial. Well, it is, isn't it? Because that's the thing. The, you know, the ground at Exeter and the, I mean, the largest conference centre in the southwest is why Exeter is the only club that makes profit. Well, the union's got value, yeah. valuable property there. That's yeah. just one of the big reasons yeah. why they're going to persevere with it and, mm-hmm. and hopefully try and make something work. And it would be just great because it's a great, it's, you know, it's a great, great area for rugby. Mm. I, I think the, the union could have done a lot more with them already. I think the union, because of the other regions and, and supporters of other regions, other rugby people, and the power of social media these days, the union rather cheap dragons with kid gloves uh, because they are it's so weary of upsetting. But they other, have been covering their, lo- their losses, though, haven't they? Well, they have covered their losses, but they just guess they, they're going to have to try and recoup that cost, and then whether they're going to cut, they cut costs or whatever. It's funny we started talking about money and we've ended talking about money. It's the way the world should be, isn't it? So the Dragons, they've got to do something in the next, the next year. They've got to win more games. They surely they've got to do something in the next two years because when they were taken over by the Union, uh, uh, twenty seventeen was it? Twenty seventeen, two years ago, mm. uh, Martin Phillips, chief executive of WIU, laid out a three-year roadmap for success of the Dragons and one of the key criteria was that was playing in front of sellout crowds in, in 2020 well is that going to happen Simon no it's not nice cheery end of the podcast no, 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 no. Let's, let's have your view on, uh, on that and also Ben you know, you know what do you think about the Dragons it's, it's, it's a tough one isn't it like for the, for the reasons you say sort of finance whether it's worth persevering but I suppose suppose we got to I don't know you look this old D-Day who the next coach is going to be how much how much does that really sort of I think the selection of the coach is very important yeah Yeah. really is very important it sends out a message of first division second division third division what are we going to be yeah yeah, and do you think if they could sign Sam Davis as a number 10 would he be the right man to lead him but I turn that question around and said would you go to the Dragons if you were Sam Davis depends if he wants to play in Wales for Wales yeah, if he was played for Wales, he's got to stay in Wales. I think he slipped. So he's got it depends on how much confidence he would have in his ability to yeah. get back in the Welsh squad. At the moment, he's quite a way down the peck. And order. a new Wales coach coming in, I think there'd be a temptation again. Though, if you look at it, he'd be on a certain banding. I don't know, around about 160, something like that. May well get more if he goes to France or England. But he's got a decision to if make. If he goes to France and England, though, is he going to play? Does he want to play first team rugby or not? Where he goes. If he went to the Dragons, he would be playing first team regularly. But behind, uh, behind on a side that's going backwards most of the time. Oh, that's not true because look at the players they got in their pack. But they do fit. They do, don't they? Coriel, Ross Moriarty, key men in the Grand Slam, Ollie Griffiths. So you yourself said that they're Alan Wayne, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, they got to sort that. Like Liam Brown, for example, he's in the world squad, but yeah. he's got to improve his scrimmaging. Um, yeah, so they got to have a stable. Player. I would like to see uh, Sam Davis at the Dragons. I think it'd be good to see him playing regular rugby in Wales, get his career going back the right direction again, helping the Dragons become more of a force. So there we are. There we go. That's more positive. Isn't Sam's it? a man. Sam's yeah, a man. It's a little bit nicer way to finish, <laughs> the, to finish the pod. Uh, so that's it for the Welsh Rugby Podcast uh, this week. We'll no doubt be back next week to preview Judgment Day. Um, but for all the latest on Welsh Rugby, you can catch it all on Wales Online.